Well, good morning, everyone. Hope you're doing well. We're going to be finishing off our Recalibrate series this morning, where we've been spending the last eight weeks as we've been coming out of the pandemic. We've been pondering this question over the last eight weeks about what is it in us as a church which perhaps needs some serious rewiring? What, where perhaps over time have we got our wires crossed? What is it that the Holy Spirit needs to do to align our hearts and our minds and our action with his? And so we've been looking at loads of different things and this morning we're coming to the topic of being welcoming. We're going to be looking at how we can be a welcoming community. The Bible often refers to the theme of welcome by using the term hospitality. So I wonder what comes to your mind when you think about being hospitable and what do you think of when you think of hospitality? Could we have that slide come up? Because maybe you've got this sort of image in your mind. A sort of come dine with me, you're going somewhere Perhaps this really depends on whether you're the host or whether you're being hosted. If you're being hosted, you're looking forward to that come dine with me experience. You step inside. There's a lovely aroma of the six or seven course meal you're going to be served. And no one's on their phones. No one's watching TV. The conversation's just going to flow and there's going to be entertainment all the way into the evening. And that's if you're being hosted. But if you're hosting, you might be looking forward to it. But more than too often, I'm guessing, it's quite a lot of work. You've got to tidy the house. You've got to consciously think about how can I make sure this isn't going to be socially awkward? How can I not put my foot in it? How can we make sure the conversation is flowing? How can we make sure the food is cooked well? That I don't sprinkle on nuts on every single course only to find my guest of honour, is allergic to nuts. That isn't from my own experience at all. Um, so, uh, hospitality, do we love it or do we hate it? Well, why is it so important? I want you to think back to your first day of secondary school. For some of you, that's quite a long time to go back to. But if you're in my era, you remember when you went into the lunch hall, you got the blue tray. For some of you, you're on the brown wooden trays. But do you remember as you stepped, you just got your food, you step into the lunch hall and you look around and you're thinking, where am I going to sit? And more importantly, who am I going to sit with? And so you awkwardly walk over to a chair in the corner and you sit there and time seems to go by so slowly. And you just hope and hope that someone, anyone, will come and sit with you. Or maybe they'll come up to you and say, why don't you come and sit with me or come and sit with us? And it's powerful, isn't it, that sort of welcome? That there's such power in that, that having a welcome like that, that if we weren't going to have it, we would just be remaining as an outsider for every lunch, for every break time until someone broke the ice and welcomed us. And this is why Jesus defines hospitality really radically as including outsiders in the central parts of our lives. He does that 
uh, most interestingly in, in the parable of the sheep and the goats, he uses that phrase time and time again. What you did for the least of these. What you did for the least of these, regardless of their social status, their personality, their ethnicity, their worldview, when you cared for them, when you loved them, when you went out to be with them, when you invited them over, you did that for me. And I believe passionately that hospitality touches at the heart of the gospel. I love that uh, translation in the message translation of John 1:14, where it says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighbourhood. That sense of which, when we remember what the gospel was all about, is that Jesus came in order to give us the most generous, sacrificial welcome to those who otherwise would forever just be outsiders. And in fact, it goes, it goes further than that because Paul reminds us in Romans 5.10 that while we were not just outsiders, but while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. Our God has come to us and he hasn't just included us in his work in building the kingdom, but he's invited us into an intimate, wonderful community. Because the God we worship isn't an individual person. He's a community of persons, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And the Gospel is all about that God coming to us and inviting us into fellowship with that God. It's a phenomenal relationship of which we're invited to participate in. But what does it mean, therefore, to show hospitality? Let's look at that command that, was, uh, that Grace read for us in, in Hebrews 13, specifically verse 2. We're going to spend quite a lot of time unpacking that. So Hebrews 13, 2, the writer of Hebrews commands this. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. The word hospitality literally means loving strangers. And in Bible times it was really difficult to be a stranger. This is really referring to travelling Christians. This isn't people that went on Oak Hall holidays, if you're aware of what that is. This is more people that were maybe missionaries, they were visiting other churches, maybe they were going there to speak at a church, just go there to work and help a new church plant. And most of the time when you travelled around, any sort of international travel, when you went and stayed somewhere, it would be super expensive. This was way before the time of the Travel Lodge and uh, Premier Inn. And also, not only was it super expensive, it was really risky because the places you stayed at were dodgy. You could easily be conned. Uh, some of these inns doubled up as brothels. This is before the time of TripAdvisor where you would be able to avoid particular places. Uh, these are a lot worse than what we've come to know as the COVID hotels. I mean, they would look, make them look uh, wonderful. It was a hard thing to do, to travel, to be a stranger in another land. And so travelling Christians were very reliant on someone opening their home, and that person would be very vulnerable because they probably wouldn't have had much of any correspondence with this person, they'd be taking a risk inviting them in. They don't really know who they are. This is a time of obviously persecution of the church and a financial cost for that person who was 
lodge, helping them to lodge and paying for their meals and accommodation. So we might look at that, we might look at that command and it's easy to say, well, do we really see that in today's situation? Because most of the people that do a lot of travelling, who are able to travel internationally, they're probably able to stay in a fairly nice hotel. They've probably got the financial, uh, they're in a good financial situation in order to do that. So does this command to love and show hospitality to the stranger really apply to us in any way? And the answer is, of course, yes. Our hospitality might not be for a vulnerable traveller, but there's still many groups who are vulnerable outsiders that we need to show extravagant love and kindness to. Just want to mention a couple of groups, and of course, I'm sure you can think of a dozen if you were to put your mind to it. But here's just a couple. First one is migrants. When the Bible's using the word strangers, predominantly it's referring to those who have migrated to another country which is separate from their country of origin. And of course, uh, people migrate for all sorts of reasons. Today it may be because of, uh, for study purposes, to find a job. All of my siblings, I've got three other siblings, they all now work abroad. Or it may be because of something like fleeing persecution. So to, be, to migrate uh, is, uh, of course, uh, you become an outsider, you become very vulnerable. And I remember at my previous church uh, meeting a couple. One was American, one was from France. They'd recently got married. And for some reason, they had decided to move to Croydon with all that they had, not knowing anyone, not having a job, and just living in a room in someone's house, just living in an Airbnb. And then they just turned up to church I think the following Sunday after a few days of being around in the area. And you can imagine a new place, a new country, for one of them a new language, new customs, having to get a new job. Life is hard enough as it is with all the challenges that come our way. But of course these people had no relational network, they had no family and friends. It was terribly hard for them. And you can see how a situation like that, the warmth of hospitality, is so vital. So that's for those who have migrated. Another group is the lonely in society, which includes quite a lot of people. Relational poverty is widespread in our country. And ironically, even in this Zoom age where we're more and more high-tech, we can be high-tech, but also it has led to a low-touch with other people, where it actually leads to the rise of a sense of loneliness, whether it's the elderly, whether it's those who perhaps are a bit socially awkward, or maybe it's the many people in our country who are single. You know, that at the moment it's thought that it's 51% of the population are single. 28% of all households are now single occupancy many flats that have been built around Purley, and of course many that will soon be springing up will be occupied by one person on their own. Now I'm not saying that everyone who's single is lonely and needy, but of course that is a group that could be very vulnerable to being an outsider and needing particular welcome, love and care. So what can we do about it as we think about these groups and many others? Of course, we can notice someone, as James is saying in the notices, it's so important that we are friendly as we see new people on a Sunday. We can go up to them and speak to them. We can invite someone to something happening at the church. 
encourage them to enter into a network of friendships that life groups and are going on various courses and meals that we can run as a church and social action things that can be great for them but I think the most obvious thing and a central feature of hospitality in the Bible is having people over for food welcoming someone into your home and having some sort of food with them it is something that cannot be beaten and that's why someone said I'm not sure who said this but they said food is God's love made edible food is God's love made edible so let's look at verse 2 because it says for by sharing hospitality that's saying by having people over for food some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it and this is of course talking about this story of Abraham and Sarah and quite a remarkable thing they were obviously in the habit of having guests over people that were new to the town and they invited them over and lo and behold they invited angels and one of them was probably the pre-incarnate son of God so that's a pretty impressive meal with some pretty impressive guests to have over and as with then and as as you look at the majority of cases of hospitality in the Bible it's normally a shared meal in someone's home now why can't it just be that you're generous and you just buy coffees for people as and when you see them and meet them and by all means that's a really important thing to do I would love you to buy me a coffee if you want to buy me a coffee I'll have a decaf flat white with oatmeal any day of the week I would love to be blessed in that way it is good but what is it so significant about having someone in the place of which you reside and I think as I thought about it is this that as you invite someone into your space into your home however big or small that might be as you get someone to sit at your table or whatever you have as something to eat around you're saying something pretty powerful to them you're saying you are sitting across from me and as we sit at this table together we are equal regardless of your social circumstances your economic uh, circumstances you and I are equal and I've invited you in to clearly say that and to actually welcome you in as a friend it's a very powerful thing and it's so important to the Bible it's so important to God that actually where people don't welcome outsiders where it's avoided altogether God clearly shows he doesn't like that one instance would be in 1 Corinthians 13 where it's talking about the context of communion and the rich were clearly neglecting the poor they were having great feasts for themselves and yet letting poor members of the church who were amongst them they were letting them go hungry week after week what was uh, often the case in churches back then is when they took the Lord's communion after their gathering they would have a it would be accompanied by a meal together which is a lovely thing and why in the evening service we've somewhat tried to resurrect the idea every time we have communion the first Sunday of the month we have our little bit of bread our ribena and that's a lovely spiritual meal and then we sit down and we have an actual meal together and it's lovely to have people from all sorts of backgrounds where we just sit and chat and get to know one another I want to give a warning here really because as I say that we can't just institutionalize hospitality we can't just make hospitality about inviting people to church events it just strikes me 
as you read these uh, verses in Hebrews that there were no church buildings back then. And so this is talking about inviting people into their homes. This is why it's so lovely when we host newcomer lunches. It's lovely not to do it in the church building, but to do it in people's homes. And if you're at all interested in knowing more about that, I know the office team would love to have uh, more people who can host these welcome lunches, so please do get in contact with them. This all comes out of Acts 16, when Paul shares the good news, him and a band of apostles and, and others, disciples, they share the good news with a group of ladies, and one of those ladies is called Lydia, and she's a rich business lady, and God not only opens her heart, he also opens her home. And she has them around, she accommodates, she looks after them. And it's just, I think, something that happens time and time again as we see heart change, that God opens our hearts and then he opens our homes. I remember meeting a 21st century version of Lydia at my old church, a dear elderly lady who was way into her 80s and as we were starting up newcomers lunches just encouraging people to have each other around in homes and especially people that were new to the church I said to her we're probably going to have about six people if that really there's not going to be many of us is that okay yeah that's fine do you know what that Sunday at her home we had 19 people 19 people that was quite a lot for her to take on but it was one of the most amazing meals I've ever had. We had 19, we had people who had just moved over from the Philippines as a group of accountants. We had a lorry driver, someone there with special needs. We had teachers, a police warden. We had a couple of scientists and we even had a lawyer there. I mean, can you imagine getting those groups of people together? There's a challenge for us really that Perhaps it's an act of courage for us today to invite someone to something like an Alpha course or something that we want them to plug into as we want them to learn about the Christian faith. That's an act of courage for many of us. But I really believe if we want to see an authentic, courageous, generous community, all of that happens whenever you invite someone into your home. It's authentic because you are asking someone to find out about the real you as you spend time together, opening up about who you are, finding an interest in them as well. It's courageous because you'll have to perhaps try and break down boundaries, think about icebreakers, the fact that you're being bold to invite someone perhaps who isn't like you and you're trying to get to know them. And it's generous as you pour out your time, your efforts, and you give financially in order to make that person feel welcomed and cared for. It's our vision as a church, and it all begins in the home. So what are the motivations we should have for hospitality? Well, again, the answer is really in the verse. So look back at verse 2. For by doing this, by showing hospitality, some have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. So Abraham and Sarah, as I mentioned before, they actually ended up hosting three visitors who turned out to be angels. What does that mean for us? I don't think it means that if you invite someone into your home, you're going to find out that one out of ten is going to be an angel. I'm yet to meet anyone that I would describe as an angelic being who I've had over. But I think what it's saying in simple terms really, is when you have others around, when you invite people in, 
you'll never know how powerful and significant that encounter might be. There's often going to be more than meets the eye. You have no idea what glorious things the Lord might do through you, through that simple act. I remember when I moved back to Croydon after being uh, in Exeter for a few years because of university and I'd been brought up in Croydon so I didn't really want to go back to the church of which I'd been at for many years of my life. I was keen to meet a wife at that point and I thought there were perhaps other churches where you'd meet women. Uh, so for whatever reason, I had some weird ideas back then. But I thought, okay, I'll go back to my old church. It'd be nice to catch up with everyone. But I'm not going to stay here. I need to go to another church. And I remember meeting um, a really nice couple. And the guy, he gave me, he had a few kids, and he gave me his business card. And he said, it'd be lovely to have you over for dinner sometime. And I was so taken aback by that. It wasn't what the church was hosting that week that interested me. It wasn't the teaching. It wasn't that they were doing a special lunch or, or anything like that. But because of that kind invite, because of someone showing me friendship, for someone they didn't know at all, I wanted to stay at that church. And I ended up serving at church, becoming an elder, getting married at that church. It's played a significant point in my life. And I know many young adults in a similar situation who have been invited to so many church events, but they just want to be invited to someone's home. They just want to get to know maybe an older couple. When we do these things, we'll never know how far-reaching it might be. So a fantastic evangelistic tool as well. Rosaria Butterfield, sorry, Rosaria Butterfield, who's written a book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key, says this pretty extraordinary statement in her many years of being someone who has shown hospitality. She says this, the most effective tool for sharing the gospel is your home. The most effective tool for sharing the gospel is your home. And I have a little bit of experience of this myself. At my old church, I was a community pastor. And one of, that thing, one of the things I did is I was, uh, did a bit of town chaplaincy. So on a Monday, uh, I would walk into each shop, talk to people, hand a bunch of flyers of the events that we were running as a church. And there was one place I wasn't too sure if I should pop in there because it was a nail bar. I just thought, that's a bit awkward. I'm clearly not coming in today to get my nails done. I thought, I will go there. And I found the guy uh, who I've got to know and has become a friend um, was really up for coming to different church events. The only thing that became apparent is that he worked six, sometimes seven days of the week, and he couldn't easily come to things and obviously work late in the evening. And if I really wanted to get to know him, I couldn't just say, come to this course and come to that. I had to meet up with him for coffee. And so I found his working pattern and realised where he could have half an hour uh, away from all that he was doing, and we started to have coffee together. And it was lovely as we get, got to know each other, as we were able to study the Bible together, as he was learning all about the Christian faith. And then I really know that our relationship uh, really got a lot deeper in exploring faith was actually when I started on a Friday evening to have him over for dinner. You see, we'll never know the significant transformation that can happen to the people around us until we start inviting them into our homes. So what's our tendency with hospitality? Well, I think if we could have the, the next slide come up, I think 1 Peter 4.9 really hits the nail on the head when it says this, 
offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Because we all know we should do hospitality, none of us are going to disagree with it. It's just hard when we get round to doing it. And perhaps there's a lot of grumbling that happens at the beginning or what that follows it. And this can all come out of all sorts of things. Maybe it's our cultural expectations, that we don't have a big enough house, that we're not a good enough cook, that we're not very good at socialising, that we're an extreme introvert. And so it's naturally just not easy and so we don't want to do it. Maybe it's the busyness of the family. Life is so busy. And we, perhaps we sometimes drop in when we were talking to someone, oh, I must have you round sometime, we must meet up, you must come round for a drink. We know it's important, we know it's so important for breaking the ice and perhaps knocking over ba barriers that are there in a relationship with someone. But of course we look at our diaries and it's hard to get round to it. Maybe when it comes to if we've got a spouse, we sit down with them and we see we're on a different page. We want our home very open, they want it more closed, or maybe vice versa. And of course, there are seasons of life where hospitality, hospitality just isn't possible. We've just had a bereavement, or we've got a serious illness, or maybe we've just had a child. It's probably not the best season to start inviting loads of people over to your home. But the command of 1 Peter is to offer hospitality and that phrase literally means pursue hospitality that means look at all of what's going on in your life look at all the things you do all the events that you go to and above all make it a priority to spend time with people and to have them over in whatever form you can so let's just spend a few minutes in closing looking at how we can work this out how i'm looking at how i work this out and i hope maybe a few things I've got to share could be helpful. So let's look at three things. Let's just plonk them up on the screen. There they are. So first of all, what we need to do as we pursue hospitality is we need to intentionally love the outsider. We need to intentionally love the outsider. You know, on your street, at your work, there are people who, for whatever reason, are not like you. And because of sin, because of human nature, because of how we are, rather than run to someone who is different, we tend to run a mile from someone who's different. Maybe their personality is different, they've got different beliefs, they look differently to us. But this being the case, we must remember that the precise people we run away from, that we get out of seeing, that we keep our distance, are the exact people that Jesus would have moved towards. And so perhaps we just need to start with the heart and we need to pray this afternoon, this week, Lord, help me to love the outsider, to intentionally get to know and love them, remembering that I was once that outsider. It all begins with our heart. We need to intentionally love the outsider. Secondly, we need to engage with people. Do you believe that people are worth getting to know? Is anyone, does anyone think people are a priority for life? Yeah, I think they are. Yes, we do, don't we? People are pretty special. People are not mere mortals when you meet them. They're eternal beings created in the image of God. So we should care about them. We should take an interest in them. And we should be out on the lookout to engage with the people that come across our path. 
Perhaps what we need to do is make a guest list and take some time over this and to look critically at it that we look at the people uh, that we are inviting and we think, do they look like me? Do they sound like me? Am I really inviting the stranger, the outsider, or are we just entertaining our friends? Maybe we need to look at our guest list and compare it to the guest lists that Jesus so often had. And then lastly, we need to make food a priority. This is, of course, my favourite. Because in our culture, food and meals are really squeezed out. You often eat on the go. You're used to, if you're working, just eating at your desk. Food just seems a a thing you have to do. We're in a rush and meals are not often a priority. But it just strikes me that in your week, you have 21 meals a week. I have a few more than that, but I think most of us have around about 21 meals a week. I wonder just how many of them are spent with others. In a two-month period, it's about 170 meals. Maybe we could just look at those meals across a two-month period and just think, how can I just invite someone to that meal? How can I just invite someone, intentionally love someone, break down some of the boundaries of division that would naturally be boundaries you don't cross according to our society's view on our values and say, how can I be intentional in loving? How can I make food a priority to show love to that outsider? So as we come to an end, this be a welcoming community because we know that when we do this, when we, we act like our God who welcomes us into his heavenly home, He welcomes us into his home for a shared meal. He welcomes us to the heavenly feast. Amen.